Greetings, ladies and gents, and welcome to this daily science fiction extravaganza, commonly known as Tales, Tales from Outer from space. Out, space. Out, space. Taken from the subreddit HFY, all the relevant links will be down below. And, as always, I hope that you enjoy. And if you do, please consider supporting the channel. On to the science fiction. Story number one. Answered prayers. Written by Squiggles Story Studios. The planet sat there, a glittering green jewel, unattended, unclaimed, and unspoken for. So we, the righteous Luexa, took our ships across the black waters to take it. Righteous is not an arrogance when your people have reached the stars against all others. People who sit in their rock and cower in fear when the Luexa ships darken their skies. They worship us as gods, as they should. We arrived in the atmosphere, twenty clans strong, to secure another world for the Empire. Two, the small tribes of the world gathered below our ships with offerings and tributes. Another planet of people in carved rock buildings and plant woven clothes. They offered flowers and food to dine with them by firelight. The righteous Luexa above such things. Welcome, welcome, the small, primitive leader smiled, his mane of grey hair woven with flowers and wooden beads, tied in a top knot with red twine. I am Chief Dawnwolf, leader of the Vaddy Wolves. Who do I have the pleasure of speaking with? The Luexian general looked down at the primitive through the narrow gaze of his war mask. Clad in steel armor, spiked in a manner of true warrior, these people knew nothing of battle and honor. I am Captain General of the Luexia Gods of the Sky. What do you have to offer us? We are a peaceful tribe. We have food and beds. Peaceful? Then you will have no problem bowing down without a fight. The tall, crustacean warrior aimed his blaster at the human's head. You, your people, and your planet now belong to the Luxia's empire. The chief looked up, but confused and horrified. But, um... The blaster fired, the searing dawnwolf skin. The tribespeople screamed as their leader fell, his throat gushing pools of dark blood. Captain General Zuria aimed his blaster at the rest of the tribe. Bow down now, and I will spare your lives. One by one, the primitive humans bowed down on their knees, begging for mercy. Loexiish soldiers routed them up, men and women and children, before binding them to enslaved collars, ready to work the land to something worthy of the invaders. Some tried to run. They were blasted with superior weaponry and nary a second thought. Soldier Razax chased one of the young males down to a large altar. Soldier Razax had to stop and stare. The altar was made of crystal at night. The image of a benevolent god in human form floated there. The escaped villager desperately tapped on the altar, muttering and cursing under his breath. Soldier Razax dived for the human, easily capturing it in his claws. But this one fought back, driving a wooden spike into the shell off of his claw, grabbing the crystal shard before trying to run away. Soldier Rasak's screams of pain was only second to his anger. With one mighty blow, his other claw smashed into the human's side, rendering the primitive immobile. Soldier Rasak dragged the human before Captain General so it could be made an example of. Captain General looked at the human and the crystal device. The human stared back, 
not in fear as the others did, but in disgust, contempt. What is your name, vermin? I am Freeheart, friend of the walls, watcher of the stars, he replied. What makes you so bold as to glare so defiantly at your betters? Captain General growled. The human spat blood onto the ground, because I know the gods are coming to punish you. The human answered. The Luxia clans laughed cruelly. You simple fool, do you not see that we are the sky gods? Nothing is coming to save you. We will work you until your bones are dust. The gods will come. They will strike you from the sky and smite you for Shambhala. The human shouted, despite the begging and pleading from his own kin to stop. For such insolence, we will cut out your eyes and tongue. You will not need them to work. The captain, general, threatened, reaching for a knife. Let this be a lesson to all of you. There is no use fighting. We'll crush you if you try. There is no escape. Our ships will... But the captain, general, stopped. In the night sky, in the light of the large moon of the shadow of a figure. A human figure. To cast a shadow that big, the figure would have to have been the same size as their own ships. The tribal human looked up in awe. The protector! The defender is here! They shouted in relief. You're wrecked now! Rehart laughed softly, but choked back softly in pain as the Captain General squeezed his injured body in his claws. The Captain General brought the human close to his six eyes. What cowardly trick is this? He hissed through mandibles. This is no trick! The otherworldly roar echoed through the Luxian radios, filling every channel. This is Admiral Hartman of the USS Optimus Prime. You have trespassed into United Soul Systems territory. You have ignored Prime Directive. You have subjugated and murdered innocent civilians. How do you plead? The Captain General spluttered, unable to answer. You and your miserable people will be forcibly deported if you do not vacate Chambalayan airspace in two minutes. But that's impossible, the Captain General shrieked. No ship moves that fast. Too freaking bad. You have one minute, forty seconds to comply. The Captain General and all grounded Luxian troops could only watch as a shadowy figure began to grow and a glowing sword from his right hand. One minute to comply. Fire it well, the Captain General shrieked through his own comms device. Fire at the damn thing with everything we have. You stupid jerk. Rehart laughed again and was promptly kicked in the ribs for the outburst. Treating target as hostile, preparing to engage. One by one, the Luxian ships were destroyed by the enigmatic force. Artillery rounds stalled through the Luxia ships like tissue paper, the sky burning as pieces of ship fell through the atmosphere. And as the burning steel crashed into the jungle around them, they were treated to a sight of divine. A human, clad brightly in colored armor, flew in the sky with ease, smashing the debris with their bare hands. The gods, made of steel, landed in the village, standing nearly forty feet tall that he could crush any of the Luxian warriors beneath his boot with a single step. The invaders cowered below the god, begging for mercy. Did you show mercy to the people of Shambhala? Asked the same. Begone from this place. The shining god raised his hands and a blue light engulfed the Luxian army. They vanished without a trace. The steel god knelt on one knee and spoke softly to the tribespeople. Do not be afraid, people of Shambhala. As long as there are stars in the sky, I shall stay vigilant. Rest easy 
knowing that I am here. The god then looked at the heavens and launched himself into the sky to the cheers of the tribe's people. The blue light was blinding. The captain general felt himself lift from the floor, weightless, and then crashed to the ground with an uncomfortable bang. The soft, earthly ground gone, replaced by steel tiles. Six eyes, desperately looking in all directions to see what was going on. He and his men were no longer in Shabala. They were in a prison. Three walls steel and forth a curtain of red light. Beyond that light stood humans. They were not the primitives Abluxia had conquered. They were a black armor of warriors, war masks of shimmering black glass and blasters large and scary, aimed and ready. The leader wore no mask, but his face was painted with the same disgust and contempt of the primitive free heart. Bugs! It's always bugs! The human leader spat, dusting off his admiral's coast. Bugs, I show you bugs, a soldier roared, rushing towards the humans. The red light wall burned through the Luxian soldier's armor, shell, and flesh. The warrior humans laughed at Luxia, screamed in pain. Hmm, smells like fresh lobster. The human general laughed. Oh, are the little conquerors confused? Here, let me explain, he said as he pulled out a rolled cigar from his coat. You are not the only ones in the sky. In fact, it's a miracle you haven't been wiped out by actual threats. The arachnidiles would eat you alive. The admiral lifted his cigar to one of his soldiers, who proceeded to light it with the flamethrower attached to his blaster. But lucky for you, you stumbled upon one of the more merciful species in the galaxy. At least we would have been had you not tried to enslave one of our garden worlds. He took a long, deep breath of smoke and blew it out in the Luxia cell, the smoke sizzling against the laser wall. The galactic community tends to look down on we superpowers stepping on emerging civilizations. The admiral stepped closer and put his face right up to the laser brandishing a menacing and cruel smile. But liberating an oppressed people from their tyrannical overlords, that sounds like a mighty fine way to spend a Tuesday. Admiral Hartman, the fleet is awaiting your orders. Bridge hailed him. So any last words before we start our crusade? The Captain General stared back at the humans, quivering in his shell. You can't fight off the Luxia Empire. We are five planets strong. The Captain General replied, trying to put on a brave face. The humans laughed. Optimus, set course for these bugs' home planet. The Admiral took a final puff of his cigar and put it out in his palm of his hand, returning to the partially burned stub into his coat pocket before rallying the troops behind him. Let's show them what eight systems worth of pissed-off marines can do. Epilogue. Deep in the night, after all the festivities had died down, the villagers asleep in their homes. Freeheart snuck away with his comms class. A few button taps and swipes and a small device that had connected to the USS.OP. The hologram of the old man appeared, sitting behind his desk, looking exhausted but confident. Admiral Hartman, thanks for coming so quickly. The young man gave a weak smile, sitting down on a tree stump for his own comfort. You're lucky I was in the area, Connor. I mean, the old admiral sighed. What's the pre-flight name that you go by now? The young man chuckled. Freeheart. I go by Freeheart. Well, at least you kept the heart part of the name, the admiral noted, and then asked the young man more sincerely. Any idea when you'll be done with this malarkey and come back to Starside? 
Maybe another year or two. I haven't quite finished with my thesis on on pre-fight humanity, Freeheart answered. Since the Chamberlains cut themselves off during the Alliance conflict, it's a perfect place to study. But the conversation was interrupted by the Admiral's end. Several notifications sounded off, calling him back to the realities of interstellar politics. Well, keep in touch. Those crab people look like they messed you up pretty bad. Admiral Hartman sat up in his chair and stroked his stubble chin. Freeheart shrugged it off. Nothing too serious. I have to follow the Prime Directive. If I want to keep my cover, I've got the meds in case they decide to go septic. I'll send you my statement about the damage they caused to the village. I got a front row seat to the crappy attitude. Thank you. The higher-ups will be happy. Easier to spin an invasion when you have documented atrocities. Take care, Freeheart. Take care, Gramps. End of story. Story number two. The last act of defiance, written by a guy called C. Earth was burning. The conflict with the Vartex had been less of a war and more of an extermination. Humanity's fate was sealed the day the first contact was made. Through a misunderstanding, the Vartex were enraged and communication ceased. Both sides claimed the other took the first shot, but it hardly matters now. The Vartex pushed into human space, and one by one her colonies fell before the aliens' guns. Only a single Vartex ship was ever captured intact by humanity, and we learned where the bastards called home. However, humans are clever and denied them the target that they hungered for most. Earth had been removed from the memories of nav computers, and ship captains would and did die before giving up the greatest secret. A decade after communications with our last interstellar colony was lost, the Vortex happened upon a craft that was centuries old, pockmarked with hundreds of micrometeor strikes, its system dead for decades. Humanity's wish to reach for the stars, and a long-lost hope that we were not alone in the inky black were our final undoing. A golden disc meant as a peaceful message to whom it may concern was the final piece in the Vortex genocidal puzzle. The Vortex were puzzled by the lack of satellites as described on the disc, but it mattered little. Here was Earth, and Earth was burning. For a decade, the remnants of humanity had labored to create our greatest weapon, knowing full well that our species was doomed to history. We committed every resources we had to building hundreds of thousands of warp calls, which first opened the stars to us. And then we weaponized our moon. When the Vartex were detected a light year outside of our solar system, we launched our moon at warp on collision course with the Vartex's home world. Earth was scorched in the end, but not by the Vartex, but by our monstrous world killer. A week after the death of our world, our moon dropped out of the warp 15 million miles away from Vara traveling at light speed. Upon impact, Vara was vaporized, but Earth was only burning. End of story. And that, my friends, concludes this dose of science fiction fun. I hope that you enjoyed and if you did, please don't forget to support the author from the link down below. But if you want to support this channel, there are links as well down below. 
for you to help with. But the easiest way would be to share this video. And if you are so inclined, subscribe as well. I will see you all in the next episode. And I hope that you all have a fantastic time until then. Cheers.